Hello, this is Eric Sinrod from Dwayne Morris, along with my colleague Jonathan Armstrong from Cordery, bringing you your most recent Tech Law 10. So I'm sure you're happy about that. At least we hope you are. Um, I'm here in San Francisco. Jonathan is over on the other side of the pond. And Jonathan, I'm, I'm thinking and I'm envisioning that somehow in your brain, somewhere your brain cells are coming up with ideas relating to notions of Periscope and Cat. Am I totally lost here? No, you're absolutely right, and and I wonder if you're actually periscoping me, even even as we speak, uh, Eric. Um, so for those of you who are uninitiated, um, as ever, Eric and I are bringing you stuff that's down with the kids, and Periscope and Meerkat are probably the most down with the kids things. At the moment, for those of you who are into technology, so what are they? Well, they're both um, social media applications that allow you to live stream things. So, for example, if you've seen a spectacular sunset in Naples, Florida, you can live stream the sun going down and people can interact with you saying, wow, that's a great sunset, or... Do you know what? That's not as good a sunset as the sunset in Hawaii or whatever that might be. And Periscope has been purchased by Twitter for a rumored $100 million. And Periscope's the most integrated with Twitter so that you can live stream, announce it on Twitter and invite people to view the stream. Um, significantly, uh, both Periscope and Meerkat were until this week only available as iPhone apps, but Periscope has gone on to Android this week, and the prediction is that these applications will grow phenomenally as a result. Now, uh, there is an obvious use for applications like this, which involves bad people and bad content. And as ever, with social media applications like Twitter that are perhaps not as well policed as they might be, there is room for some bad behavior that would be concerning, particularly because, for example, if I'm periscoping something, you could ask me to point my phone in a certain way to get a certain angle uh, of uh, you know, a certain individual of you or whatever. But as ever, Eric, with Tech Law 10, our mission is not to go to the sordid side of the internet, but look at what risks there might be for people who are using these type of applications in a responsible way. Now, obviously, this is all very new. And some of this is, uh, you know, technology that's only one or two days old. And as a result, it's hard to do a proper, you know, risk analysis in 24 hours. Having said that's hard to do, it's not impossible. So here's my first stab at some of the things people should be thinking about, particularly corporations who are trying to use Periscope and Meerkat to get a younger audience for their products or for their content. The first on my list would be uh, data protection, data privacy laws. Obviously, as we've talked about many times before, 
Roughly 60 countries in the world have laws like that. And some of them have specific pronouncements on the use of cameras, whether that be bodily worn cameras, whether that be drones, whether that be a closed circuit TV, CCTV surveillance cameras. The UK Information Commissioner, for example, has some fairly detailed guidance on the use of cameras like that. And I think a wise corporation would assume that those rules are going to apply to Periscope and Meerkat as well. There are particular issues about the sharing of images. So the ICO has taken regulatory action against an application, for example, which networked uh, surveillance cameras in stores and gave people rewards for when they spotted shoplifters. Obviously, an application that could also use Meerkat or Periscope to power it, but not without its risks. And we certainly know in the in the store case in the UK, the regulators uh, intervened and uh, brought more solid rules behind that. Security is an issue for many corporations. For example, I know of a well-known um, Fortune 100 business that we did some work for, and they had some uh, facilities that were not public for various uh, reasons. Unfortunately, they had an employee who was so pleased to be invited to that location, he went round with his smartphone videoing the layout of that particular facility and then uploaded it onto YouTube so that his relatives at home could watch it and the fact you know, that he'd been invited, in, if you like, to the inner sanctum of the corporation. He hadn't set his settings to private, so that betrayed some of the security procedures that the corporation had in place in that facility. And I think when people are live streaming, the risk of that is even greater because the corporation's chances of intercepting a live stream and then doing something about it are obviously very challenging. So I think we're going to see more corporations have to ban smartphones uh, if these applications become more prevalent. A couple of other things I can think of off the top of my head. Licensing terms might be an issue. So, for example, people are using these streaming applications when they go to concerts or sporting events. That's likely to breach uh, license terms and conditions. It might be as simple as saying on the back of your um, ticket for the FIFA World Cup, since that's uh, um, <laughs> topical at the moment, that you can't uh, use photography or stream uh, live footage of the game because obviously that would interfere with broadcast rights that have been bought and paid for. So I see licensing-related cases, particularly bought, brought by sporting leagues, but also by uh, artists, for example, if people are live streaming uh, their concerts without permission. I wonder if privacy class actions are likely to grow. We've just had some big litigation settled in the UK over Paul Gascoigne, a well-known football player, some, um, uh, somebody who had a liaison with another football player, a well-known actress, over the interception of their phone communications. Obviously, intercepting their private communications using a streaming app, theoretically, I think, also brings liability if there's a corporation doing that. 
And we've got a case going through the courts here at the moment over whether class actions can be brought for privacy infringement, and if so, whether jurisdiction lies with the UK courts. We've also got the Schrems litigation in Austria that we've talked about before involving Facebook. And the last on my little list, and forgive me because it's only a sort of stream of consciousness, is corporations pretending that a stream is something that it isn't. So, for example, this week, the advertising regulator in the UK has intervened against a well-known uh, household goods company that had a YouTube channel that looked like it was a video blogger, a vlogger, um, talking about beauty tips and so on, whereas the channel was in fact bought, paid for, sponsored and produced by the, by the corporation. And the ASA, the regulator, felt that the disclosures weren't clear enough on the YouTube channel as to the fact that it was advertising disguised as user-generated content. It seems to me the risks are greater still with things like Periscope and Meerkat, because they're live and because they're instantaneous, people might not think through the, uh, the disclaimers in time. So I, I think it's a very emerging area. I thought it just might provoke some thought amongst the listeners as to whether there might be other legal issues that people want to think about. And I wondered if there'd been any hint of regulatory activity on these new apps in the US, or is it just too brand spanking new to know, Eric. <laughs> wow. Okay, that was that was a mouthful. Thank you for sharing all of that. And uh, I have six points to make. Uh, I'll try to be concise Fantastic. to keep us within me, with maybe within Tech Law 20. Um, first of all, I'm waiting for you and I to come up with our hundred million dollar idea. <laughs> uh, we're we're approaching 150 podcasts. How come somebody hasn't bought us out for 100 million dollars? That's point number one. Point number two, probably good we didn't go into too many sordid details, but there certainly is bad behavior. Uh, you know, certain humans since the beginning of time will engage in nefarious activities. It can show up in any sort of realm, and clearly when we're talking about you know, live streaming, it could happen there too. So there are going to be some issues that emerge. And just by virtue of the fact that it is live streaming um, and it's relatively spontaneous, um, there's less um, care sometimes in terms of yeah, it's not so well orchestrated, shall we say. Mm -hmm. um, anything can happen. So there can be trouble, even if bad behavior is not intended. So that's my third point. Yeah. Um, when you talk about you know, issues relating to licensing, you know, in terms of sporting, sporting events or you know, artists, again, we sort of get into the interesting issue of you know, do you go after, you know, the, will companies go after individuals? Imagine there's a concert and there's 10,000 people present and you know, uh, you know, 40 or 50 of them are live streaming, perhaps, or at a sporting event. It, you know, it becomes difficult, just like when the music industry was trying to go after people for file sharing. Uh, mm. You know, individual, you know, musical works. Um, it can be somewhat problematical, don't you think? Um, yeah. And then I, I just a sort of an interesting note. You talked about how you were uh, giving us feedback from a 
a stream of consciousness standpoint, and I think we were getting a live feed into how Jonathan Armstrong's brain, his brain works, and that was fascinating. <laughs> and, and actually, as a compliment, your brain works on a very sophisticated level, so we're, we're very fortunate to have the gift of all of your input as we have had over the many podcasts. In terms of specific regulations here in the U.S., that was your final uh, mm. uh, question to me and whether it's too brand spanking new. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. It certainly is new, um, but I don't want to be the one to represent that we don't have regulations on it yet. That's my inclination, but I would want to research that more. So um, this is clearly an emerging area, and as I think we've talked about before, technology usually comes out you know, uh, at a quicker pace than the glacial pace of the law. So uh, we will be seeing further developments on this unquestionably. So Jonathan, if you want to wrap it up, and, and thank you for this topic, very interesting. Yeah, no, I'm happy to. So by all means, get in touch with uh, either of us. Eric, you're ejsinrod at duanemorris.com, I believe. Yes. I'm uh, jonathan.armstrong at cordwithcompliance.com. We'd be, uh, maybe we'll periscope ourselves in the future. Maybe that's not a prospect we want to think about. It <laughs> seems to me, Eric, I don't know what number we're on, but I worked out in my brain the other day that I think if you listen to the Tech Law 10 podcasts end to end as one, you know, you know, stitch them all together and listen to them constantly, I think that would now take you more than a day. I don't know whether my arithmetic on that is right or not, but obviously if you've got a day of your life that you want to uh, spend in our company, we'd love to hear from you. If not, all that we ask is, is 10 minutes from you next week. Uh, thanks for listening, and do engage with us on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn, and uh, we'll speak to you all next week. You said it all. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> 